Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fall and welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Coconut, the ultimate accounting and tax tool for self-employed people. With expense tracking, receipts capture, invoicing and tax all in one easy to use app, Coconut gives you the power of a finance team in your pocket. Get started today. Get coconut.com slash being freelance. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for graphic designer Ian Cameron. I have a little thing of giving myself Monday mornings off that is based on what would be the thing I would hate most in a nine to five job, it would be Monday mornings. Psychologically, it reminds me that it's a choice. It's never ceased to surprise me and that the next job, I never know what it will be. I don't have regret in anything I've done. It was an odd, wandering journey. But there is a bit of me that thinks, actually, I could have done this two decades ago as a freelance designer. So there is Ian from Scotland, but actually living in Copenhagen in Denmark. His story coming up in a moment to finish off the current season. Season 10 of Being Freelance going to take a bit of a break for Easter. I hope you get to take one too. And then we will be back with season 11 and loads more great guests, starting off with uh, a Dutch data visualization uh, freelancer, actually. So yeah, that's how we're going to begin in a few weeks time at the end of April, if you're listening to this as it goes out. But fear not, if you miss me while you're on a break, I will be hanging out in the Being Freelance community, first of all, so come join us via the link at beingfreelance.com. But also there's over 200 episodes. I mean, for goodness sake, even if you've listened to them all, I'm sure you can go back and listen to some classics. Or if you need inspiration as to where to go and listen to them, check out the blog at beingfreelance.com. Some great articles on there and pretty much all of them reference episodes of the podcast in order to inspire you to go and listen to some of those. So yeah, that's at beingfreelance.com. Com. Also got my vlog on there, uh, the videos of me living my freelance life and some that are offering tips and stuff to you as a freelancer. So please do visit beingfreelance.com and you can join me on Twitter and Instagram as well. The links are at the website. I've probably mentioned that URL enough. Let's crack on, shall we, and chat to this week's guest. And that is Ian Cameron, who's a freelance graphic designer based in Copenhagen. Hey, Ian. Hi, Steve. How are you? I am good. Thank you for doing this. So let's get started hearing how you got started, how you got to where you are today, both career-wise and geographically, I guess, too. Okay. Uh, well, I'm in my fifth decade. Are you up for the long version or the short version? Oh, I'm up for a long one. Okay. If everyone can buckle up then. Um, I was at art school dropout. I drew cartoons for football fanzines, which were big in the late 80s. I worked as a layouter for a large Scottish newspaper and also contributed cartoons, sold over 100,000 a day back then. I moved to London after working in bars for 18 months. I started my first freelance business as a blackboard artist, painting boards for pubs, restaurants and shops. I moved to Copenhagen with my Danish girlfriend in 96. I did everything from washing dishes to bartender to postman while having a, a side business as a cartoonist illustrator. I then decided to teach myself web design and graphic design. This led to working in design companies here in Copenhagen. Uh, I was then made redundant and I then took that opportunity to make the plunge and become freelance. And that was coming up to seven years ago. Now. So it's kind of like two phases of freelance. One back in London when you, so you realised that one way to make a living was to draw on people's blackboards in pubs and things. Yeah. And when you were doing that, how were you getting clients then? Well, I 
what I did, I'd been working in the pub, so I was aware that there was a couple of people doing it full time so that I'd never heard of that as a potential job. And I just used to, as the RT person, I would always do the blackboards in wherever I worked. So I, I started, I photographed them all, first of all, got a, an A4 portfolio made, got some business cards done, and I just discovered the sheer hell of cold selling, of going pub to pub, going, do you want your blackboards done? And from that, I built the business that it became full time, um, just from that. How did you deal with the knockbacks? Were there many knockbacks? Oh, it was horrific at first. Uh, I was almost physically sick the first couple of days I did it. And then I learned the the wonderful lesson that it was never personal. They either wanted the blackboards doing or they didn't. And for every 10 pubs I went into, I always got one client. And therefore... I was. I, it became positive to go into a pub. I was one closer to ten. I didn't care whether they wanted it or not. I, I just kept <laughs> going, really. And it was. It became a positive uh, energy kind of. And so then you you moved to Copenhagen, do whatever you need to to get by, but then retrain. Yeah, um, I think my heart wasn't quite in it as I'd done the cartoons earlier, cartoon illustration. I had no education, um, no degree or anything. And I, I finally realized something was wrong. I needed to do something else. And I, I was looking into doing it. And then my, my sister opened a, a business as a bed and breakfast. And it was just a couple of months before it opened. And she said, could you do a website? And f- from that, because there was a purpose and a function to it, I just sort of threw myself into it. And I just loved loved it from the minute I connected via FTP, really. And that and graphic design needed to go together. There needed to be content for it. And I've just been sort of nonstop ever since, really. And But I'm right in saying you said you sort of took those graphic design and web skills into a company first. You worked in agencies first, did you say? Yeah, there was a variety of positions I had. I had, a, I had about four years of working in different companies um, as graphic designer and and quite sweet for me was that illustration came back as well because I had that work I'd done as a cartoonist. I could draw basically. So being an illustrator designer became something that I could be, uh, I discovered, which was quite nice. Are you glad you went into a full-time role rather than thinking, oh, I could do this freelance? Because you'd had an experience of it. Yeah. Um, I don't have regret in anything I've done. It was an odd wandering journey and you meet good people and whatever but th- there is a bit of me that thinks actually I could have done this two decades ago as 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 a freelance designer and that maybe just a bit more confidence I would have I would have done it I- I'm not sure really it's difficult to look back what was it then which eventually led you going freelance that's that second time probably seven seven years ago yeah oh there was a I was made redundant they were outsourcing their stuff the company I was working for and I had quite a long notice period and I wasn't particularly concerned about it. And during that period, someone I'd worked with previously got in touch and said there was a position available for about six to eight weeks as a technical illustrator working for a very large Danish company. But the condition was I would need to have my own business. I'd need to be freelance for it. The timing was absolutely perfect. Almost as soon as I made the decision to do it, it felt absolutely right that this was where I wanted to be. 
And so how did you then continue gaining clients when that one came to an end? Well, the this, this six to eight weeks ended up being eight months, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was very nice because it was a lucrative uh, job. But at the same time, it was very worrying because I didn't know if I had a business, even though I was freelance. I didn't know what the world would 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 uh, make of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, from that, it, it was I was working at my website, and really, it's the SEO of the website that is that is my marketing and, and what makes the business work. What did you do in specifically to try and get found then? Well, um, the, the blog is a big part of that website, which adds to the SEO uh, of it. But in the beginning, when I first got out of that position, I was trying freelancer.com and various, there was like a Danish version of that as well. I had a lot of bad experiences on that and was really quite concerned and wasn't enjoying it at all, particularly living in a very expensive uh, place to live and you're competing with people bidding on jobs and stuff what was your bad experience oh i had um first of all you're competing with people in the philippines and and whatever so do you being pushed down on your price but i i had i didn't know that on paypal if someone pays you money they can actually take it back again without you even or i didn't know it was just suddenly gone and i had people giving me wrong and VAT numbers and stuff and, and addresses that didn't exist that would then make my book work illegal. And there was lots of little things like that because I wasn't dealing with proper companies. And I just was like, oh, this is not good. Man, yeah. So what did you do? Well, I was getting concerned. And then my first big client came in and that was from my website. And uh, that was... Um, an international company with a Danish office. And that was like a big six-week job, uh, very enjoyable and properly paid. Uh, they're still clients now, actually. And by the end of that job, the next job had come in that was a proper one, and it just rolled from there. I had a good 18 months of just pretty much nonstop, not taking a day off virtually, because that early anxiety was pushing me through. And you're, obviously, you're an English speaker in Denmark. How did you deal with that on your website? Yeah, uh, initially my um, my website was in both languages. And because it gets quite big, it became kind of unmanageable. And I, I just got rid of the Danish one in the end. And also, I was slightly concerned, probably, uh, probably too much in the beginning. Why would a Dane use me? if a Dane was available as a designer or whatever, it was just a sort of anxiety and self-doubt and what have you. But uh, I began to realise that it wasn't a problem at all. And my, my website was was effectively telling people in advance what they would be dealing with or who I was. And therefore, all my meetings went well because there was like no surprise or whatever. I mean, I do speak Danish and with some of my clients, the communication is in Danish, but but for most of it, it is in English. So, uh, and then Copenhagen is a city that is pretty large and there's a very large community of non-Danes. Plus, as everyone knows, Danes speak uh, English uh, brilliantly. So that's kind of helpful. Cool. So you worked solidly for pretty much 18 months. Did you cope okay without any time off? Yeah, uh, but it was sort of that first block it was uh, was quite extreme. I I there was a couple of points where I uh, yeah I 
I kind of, I do very much regret. I sent a couple of angry emails to clients at points where I was becoming too much of a control freak together with overwork. So the mistakes were being made from not taking breaks, uh, plus being quite new to it. But um, I got through it in the end and apologized, of course, to those that sent emails to and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it was a, a very fast, steep learning curve that was that was a lot of fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> how of how do you cope with that now? How do you make sure that you you kind of get that balance right now? Um, I've I've introduced a couple of things. I have a little thing of giving myself Monday mornings off that is based on the. Just this odd little psychology of um, what would be the thing I would hate most as in a nine to five job, it would be Monday mornings. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I check my emails in the morning if there's deadlines I'm working, but psychologically it reminds me that it's a choice and that little break is in there. Um, I'm, I'm much better now. The Scandinavian way of life is they're this very industrious nation, but they're also very good. Uh, I shouldn't generalize. Uh, so, but, there's a, a very good work and rest sort of attitude. Um, they work very hard and also they make sure they take time off. It's inbuilt into the culture here. So when it's a really beautiful day in the summer, I'll maybe do a couple of hours work in the morning and then um, I'll just go off the beach or whatever and just go, great, doesn't matter. And the, so there's little bits like that that I've learned to bring into the sort of tendency to overwork. Yeah, I like that. To seize the moment when it comes along. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So jumping back into your story, like, you know, after that first 18 months, has things just kind of like ticked over in the same way or has your business evolved in different ways? It has, it's never ceased to surprise me and that the next job, I never know what it will be. I mean, I, I, I have clients who've been with me all the way through. You, you pick up some, you get new ones, but it is in, in some ways, it feels like the same business um, in a really in a really exciting way. So the, the answer is no, it hasn't involved, really, but only because I, I really loved the way it was to start with. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's, and it sounds like you offered, you know, you, you have a pretty unique skill palette, if you like. So were you able to offer different people different things or to see what people need? Yeah, I try and it's, it's a bit tricky with the website. I'm always wary of being jack of all trades, master of none. But I, I have clients for whom I'm a graphic designer for, and they have someone else who does their web design. And I have clients who I'm their web designer, and they have someone else doing their graphic design, which when I discovered this in the earlier years, slightly annoyed me because I was going, look, look what else I can do. But, but in actual fact, I think it's quite sweet now. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a service industry. I'm here to give them what they need. So that, I think it's all good. And you obviously taught yourself a lot, you know, as you w went along. Is that something you continue to do? Yeah, it's, um, it's something that's come back recently. Um, I, would, I would say I learned the vast majority of what I know from lynda.com. I don't. I don't want to sound like an evangelist for them or anything, but I. I, I feel that they, they certainly were a wonderful resource when I was using them in the beginning when I was learning. And recently, I made the decision to rejoin them specifically to get myself back into that sort of um, brain space of of knowing what's going on now 
and just being prepared for the future. And I actually realized that it's a place where I'm very, very happy. I'm happy to be learning a little bit pretty much all the time. And I, to the point where I've now set it that I try and do a couple of films every morning, a couple of videos. Sometimes it's YouTube or whatever. But just have a little bit of knowledge coming in. And that keeps me fresh, I think, as well. Nice. How do you find dealing with the business side of being freelance? Um, I would love someone else to do that for me. Yeah, I, I, I don't like doing the invoicing. I, I don't like, I hate doing my book work. I have an accountant, but even getting the stuff ready for the accountant, I don't like. Uh, I would love to just do the work, but it's the little bit of, it's the little bit that make the rest of it brilliant. So I'm fine with that. Just to come back to your website, because you said how important the website was for getting you work and the blog. How, how much time do you think you would put into kind of like marketing yourself? Yeah, it, it ebbs and flows, really. I try and do a blog article per month. and But typically what I do is I do two of them back to back. And that is two months together because I get into the sort of frame of mind of it. I, I, it'd be, be difficult to say, really. I, I've been redoing my website recently, which has been a real labour of love again, uh, back to what I was doing in the beginning. And, yeah, it is quite a lot of time, but it, I think of it as my shop window, and the shop window is incredibly important. And that, as a web designer and graphic designer, we're, we're very lucky. We can show literally what we do. And to, to get it out there is, you know, absolutely key. So, yeah, I can't put a time on it, but... It's money well spent, I think, really. And when you're writing your blog, who is that aimed at? When I write my blog, I'm talking to Google quite simply. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Um, there's no newsletter. There's no one sitting waiting to hear what I've written every month. I write about four subject matters on my blog, roughly. And there's the three services of web design, graphic design, and illustration. And the four subject matter is Copenhagen, which is my location. And I mean, really, if you, that's the keywords for the website, really, as well. So I'm, I'm talking to them. And at the same time, I do, it brings in a few thousand visitors per, per month. Some of the articles actually pick up a couple of thousand a month um, just from the SEO. But yeah, I don't think of it as there really being an audience for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I get that. But clearly, people are reading it. And some of them end up hiring you. Yeah, I I don't know how much that is because I mean the, the main pages themselves pick up the inquiries. At the same time, the, the numbers game is very small. I need perhaps fifteen inquiries a year, so it's never about qu quantity. It's about the quality that comes into the site, and and that works works out pretty well. Um, but at the same time, the, the, I quite enjoy the writing of the blog articles and the illustrating of them as well. It's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I've started slightly gaming it as well uh, with Google for fun. And that I had one article, do you need to live in, do you need to speak Danish to live in, to work in Denmark? And that's an obvious Google question, but I'd, I'd written it just out of fun and I, I have a bit of knowledge about that and it was annoying me it was picking up a couple of thousand visitors every month but none of which would be clients so I then started to see if I could do it again and I've written other stuff about Copenhagen that's done it and then ultimately there's, there's nothing to say about graphic design that anyone's interested in which is sort of 
it's not a subject anyone cares about other than other graphic designers. So it's kind of a, a bit of a conundrum, really. But I guess when people are finally searching for graphic design Copenhagen, then your site has proven itself to be popular to other people. So it rises up the rank. Yeah, I guess that's that's the thing of talking to Google. That's kind mm. of my sort of mentality. It's worked so far. Maybe saying this out loud is just going to kill it. <laughs> <It's> gonna... <laughs> uh. What what have you found to be like the biggest challenges of being freelance these past seven years? I think uh, the isolation element is, is is something to sort of deal with, um, as opposed to working in an office with people you've got a bit of teamwork and camaraderie and whatever and um i'm, I'm lucky i've got a, a good friend pedro who lives in my building and he works remotely so we do see each other most days but but that that part that, that loneliness is probably too extreme but ice isolation i find a little bit hard but uh you get used to it put it that way but apart from that i think it's all good are you a member of any communities be it online or in in real life in Copenhagen? No, I'm not. And I've, at various times I've intended looking into stuff. I, I'm not a particular social animal, but um, I have also looked into maybe getting an office somewhere. But I, I've, I felt as well that as a freelancer, that, that might still have a slight isolation element to it because people aren't really working together. I don't know. But you, have, you work with an office, don't you? Yeah, I work... Um, I sort of split between co-workspace uh, this past year or so. Um, before that, I worked from home. Okay, it's that, does that work for you? Is it a good... Yeah, I, do, I, I quite like having the, the commute to the co-workspace. And I hadn't realised how unsociable, I guess, I'd become being at home. I didn't feel like I was until I then started mixing with other people. But you, but you work from home, so how do you, how do you stay focused working from home um i don't really have a problem with it um i'm i'm there at the beginning of the day 8 a.m usually at my desk i i it sort of breaks down uh, there's like a couple of videos to start with um i'll do a little bit maybe on social media for some of my side projects as well it's more like a warm-up and it roughly it, oddly, it sounds like web design, I'm happy doing that in the morning. I'm happy doing graphic design in the afternoon. And if I'm doing illustration or whatever, my, my brain is happier doing it in the evening as well. So so the, the discipline is done first, the, the proper job. You mentioned side projects. What are your side projects? Oh, I have a, a cartoon website, um, which is ian.dk. And um, yeah, that goes back to what I was doing in my early 20s as a cartoonist. And um, that... that came about I started at that 18 month point in the beginning where I was a little bit of a control freak and I thought that's not very good as a graphic designer I, I, I the client is always right it is a service industry and uh, to let go a bit I thought give myself something to be in charge of and that worked really well for me so I do my cartoons and I also have a, a football blog for my football team, uh, which I'm sure all your listeners will want to hear about Aberdeen FC <laughs> and, uh, and yourself. And uh, it's also got a web shop and it sells T-shirts and posters. So it's got a nice revenue stream with it as well. So I do a, a little bit of work on that most days. Oh, cool. So it's your own independent fan site to Aberdeen FC. 
Yes, that's it. And on social media, there's I do illustrations and memes and stuff, which I sort of in the beginning justified as me practicing Photoshop, but really it was a sad football supporter who's <laughs> old enough to know better. And uh, then it, and I was going to pack it in and going to pack it in, and then I got into POD, uh, print, print on sign, the t-shirts and the posters, and I thought, well, I can justify it now. It makes a little bit of money. And there's, there's about 17,000 followers between different social media platforms and that. So it's quite nice to have that audience. That is really nice. So, yes, it brings you a bit of revenue, but it's also that creative outlet where you can do what you want. And that for you makes it easier then to compromise when it comes to what a client wants. Yeah, um, that that's, that's it exactly. And, and also... I was guilty in the beginning. I think it goes back to the website being so important. In the very beginning of the business, whenever they got in touch and told me about a job, I'd be very excited about it and also imagining how it was going to look in my website. And I grew to call it portfolioization as a really quite a bad thing because that was making me the control freak. I mean, I was over-delivering or delivering properly as a designer as I should have. But at the same time, if they wanted changes near the end, I was, I was, I was becoming not nice, and that's terrible as a graphic designer. It's a service industry, so so that really released me from that quite early on. Yeah. Did you find that was a different then? Because you know you worked in agencies or you know for companies before you went freelance as a designer in Copenhagen. When you were there, if you were to get frustrated, it would just be too. I, I know your line manager, your boss, whoever. Whereas n- now it's all on you to also keep it sweet with the client. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was that juggling of hats that was very important. And um, but I, I think as well, perhaps I was just getting obsessed with my own website in a quite an unhealthy way. Uh, where ultimately, as a designer, seven years on, I could have filled out portfolio twenty times. So no, no job was ever really that important, whether it went in or not. So it was just, it was a bit of naivety and maybe trying too hard, I think, in that earlier period that hopefully now I'm a a nicer designer. (laughs) I see. Yeah. So it's that frustration because actually you think, I don't want to change this because I want to put it in my portfolio and I'd rather it could stay this way. Thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah. Also because I'm always right. That that sort of (laughs) mentality as well. And well, not ironically, but very often the client is right. I mean, whether something's yellow or blue, really, it's subjective. Uh, but the client's instincts are usually right because they live with their business and they, they their motives are also they want the very best. So the, the, the sort of our artistic ego thing needs to be put in the bin sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, are you somebody who sets yourself goals or do you just kind of like go with the flow i absolutely go with the flow and and love that element of it i think yeah just what 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 happens happens and that's great right now i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me ian okay uh mine are all danish because that's where i am number one is i don't like lego (laughs) Okay. Number two is I won't drink Carlsberg. Right. 
And number three is um, Danish film actor uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who's the star of um, Rogue One and Casino Royale, owns a house near me, and I regularly see him in my local supermarket. Oh, okay. You don't like... <sighs> the interesting thing... Okay, I'm thinking the actor one is probably true. Okay. I'm one of the few people who hasn't seen Star Wars films, so I don't know who they are. But I'm thinking if they're Danish, maybe they are still there. Maybe maybe they do get a supermarket. So part of me is thinking that one's true because then you've got two things that you don't like, which suggests that maybe one of them is true and the other one you decided to make up. So is it Lego or Carlsberg? Now, I don't even know. You know, like we, we associate Fosters with Australia, but if you go to Australia, they don't drink Fosters. So I wonder whether that's same with Carlsberg anyway. Maybe they don't. Maybe you love Lego. Maybe that's the twist in all of this. You love Lego. You loved it as a child. You built a whole bedroom out of Lego. You still have it. You moved to Denmark. You couldn't believe your luck because they probably give away Lego on your doorstep like they do milk in other people's countries. That's the lie. You love Lego. Uh, that's wrong. Ah, uh, Maz Mickelson, who who's a very big deal over here, but um, not so much uh, outside. He doesn't live nearby. Um, I don't like Lego because it's just rubbish. A four year four year old me didn't like it either. Four year old me liked the idea of building stuff, but if you make a car, the bonnet and the roof are bumpy from Lego. And in real life, they're not bumpy. They should be smooth. And four-year-old me just thought it was wrong. And <laughs> even now, I just, just don't get it. Don't get it. So it's a bit sneaky with Carlsberg. Um, Carlsberg's a lovely beer. And if, if you're ever visiting Copenhagen, have one. It's its home city. But I stopped drinking alcohol a while ago. So I just sneaked, <sighs> sneaked that one in. It was kind of, yeah, sorry about that. Oh, man. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? There's no one overriding thing, but I got a really good piece of advice on lynda.com that I thought couldn't be right at the time and has kept sort of coming back to me over and over. And the advice was um, how to be in the top 5% of freelance graphic designers. And there was only two things you had to do. And one was uh, turn up on time to meetings. And number two was what you say you're going to do in the meeting, make sure you do it. And that's all there was to it. And what I, I loved about that is, well, first of all, I thought that can't be right, but it's that simplicity of, of being freelance to remember the really important things. And um, yeah, that, that was the best advice. That's really good, nice advice. Ian, it's been really great to speak to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. There are links through, as there are for all of our guests, so that you can check out what Ian is up to. Go find him online. Give a read of his blog. If you want to figure out about Aberdeen FC, then, of course, you will put a link to that as well. There's also over 200 episodes with other guests. Doesn't matter what they do for a living. Make sure you do check them out. Uh, make sure you've hit subscribe wherever you get your 
podcasts, leave a review, but more than that, share it with other people when you meet them or online. That would be awesome. And if you're a freelance parent, come join me and Frankie on the Doing It For The Kids podcast as well for freelancing parents. But for now, thank you so much, Ian. It's been great talking to you and all the best being freelance. Cheers, Steve. Thanks very much. All the best. So there we go. How nice was Ian? I have been just obsessed with his cartoons ever since that, by the way. He wrote a really good blog post with cartoons about being invited on being freelance. I know very meta and whether or not he should say yes. <laughs> Check out his blog post uh, by following through from beingfreelance.com through to his website. Uh, but also go and check out his cartoon blog that he does as side projects. They're so good. I love it. Ian, thank you for being on. What a way to finish season 10. Thank you very much to all of the guests who have shared their experiences. If you've not heard them all, go back, have a listen, make sure you've subscribed and please do consider leaving a review and sharing this with other people. If you like what I'm doing with being freelance, you can also um, shout me some biscuits as in buy me some, be it on a one-off donation or you can make it a monthly thing if you're a regular listener. Go to beingfreelance.com slash coffee it's just um, uh, a way of saying thanks you don't have to but if you want to then i really really do appreciate them uh, and of course do come join the being freelance community i will be over there in there while we take a break for easter and then we will be back with season 11 so more great guests to come i've been trying to record lots in advance so that whatever disruption happens with the whole coronavirus thing happening at least we can keep putting these out. I, I was thinking about pausing it, whether it felt right, and lots of people were like, no, we, we, we want to hear this, thanks very much. So, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going to uh, make sure those reach your ears very soon indeed. But you stay safe, uh, whatever you're up to at the moment, being freelance. Being freelance.